0: local voices local conversations napabroadcasting.com thanks for joining us on napabroadcasting.com's continuing coverage of election 2016 as it affects our community here in napa We're focusing once again today on the supervisorial race for the 2nd District, the seat currently held by incumbent Mark Luce. As we've talked about before, there are a number of candidates in that race. We are joined by one of them here today, Derek Anderson. Derek, thanks so much for coming in. It's good to have you back.
1: Thanks, Jeff. It's great to be here again.
0: Always good to have you here and uh, to talk about the issues you've been uh, campaigning for a while now, quite a while since the last time we talked about this. Tell us a little bit about what you're hearing, what you're sensing out in the district. You know, a lot of focus. I was talking to somebody about this the other day. We've almost lost track of how much time has gone by that you and your colleagues have been campaigning locally because we've all been so busy focusing on what's going on nationally. But you've been out there talking to people, knocking on doors, talking to constituents in the district. What are you hearing? What is your sense of of what, what interests and what concerns people out there?
1: Yeah, it's interesting. You know, it really has been a long time. Uh, it's we started before the holidays, actually, and uh, so we're at six months now, at least into this. And uh, we had the distraction with the with the holidays, and uh, and the presidential election has been uh, keeping a lot of people busy. But I've been out walking the neighborhoods, talking right. to people, and and you know, it's interesting because in talking to people, there is a concern about things like traffic and cost of living and housing and these kind of issues and it's interesting when you when you ask them their interests in those things and then you ask them about well whether they think about wineries versus environment and those kind of issues those things fall off the table it's all about their day-to-day lives in the district and it's interesting because at the county level sometimes we get uh get distracted by everything that's going up up valley with the wineries and forget about the people locally and they have very different interests right. and so that's been the the biggest thing we've learned.
0: So your, you, your point is that uh, in talking to people door to door, there's not a lot of conversation about erosion control permits.
1: Not a whole lot, no. No. <laughs> a matter of fact, I don't think uh, a lot of people uh, would, uh, would consider that very high on the priority at all.
0: On the other hand, because certainly a lot of, of your district, a lot of the second district exists within the city, the majority of it exists majority, within yeah. the city, those issues with regard to traffic and potholes and roads and a lot of that are city issues. Right. To what extent do you try to explain that to them, that that you're running for county office, that
1: land use issues are really front and center in terms of what the county is dealing with right now, etc.? Well, obviously, we've got pockets of the county that are interspersed right. within the city and the district. So there are some legitimate concerns there and there are county issues there you know what i try and talk to people about is the fact that these are all issues that we have to address strategically as a whole and you know part of it is communications between the city and county but but frankly people i don't think really care about those delineations you start getting too uh politically geeky on them and it really doesn't matter they want to know that the roads get fixed uh and you have to talk to them about this from a perspective of yes we understand you know here's how we can help you and this is and your particular road it's a city road You know, let's let's go talk to the city people and and, and educate them about that. So it is some of that. But they don't really care. They don't care about those lines at all.
0: They don't care about them, but do they understand that some of the issues, I mean, the people that live in the city, which, as we said, is the majority of the district, that it's really not up to their county supervisor to deal with, with those things?
1: Yeah, they uh, they understand it to some extent when you start explaining it to them. Mm-hmm. And then they're just like, oh, okay, so I'm talking to the wrong person <laughs> you know, in, in some of these cases. So you do have to explain it to them. You have to explain that what really is important is its land use. But to me, it's also about the economy, right? What are we doing as a county as a whole? How are we being strategic as 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 the county Uh, how are we uh, handling jobs and cost of living and these are things that we do have influence over at the county that aren't just the potholes on the city street and the city streets uh, having having you know in
0: in talking to uh, in this election cycle and talking to the candidates that are running for assembly for state senate one of the issues that that comes up over and over again the idea that that some of these issues housing traffic some of these larger issues have to be dealt with on a regional basis, that they can't even be dealt with on a county-by-county basis. Talk a little bit about that same idea as it relates to city-county cooperation here. And is enough being done? Has the Board of Supervisors, in your view, done enough to work with the city in addressing some of these really core issues that, that you, as you say,
1: people seem to be concerned about? Well, it's funny because I, the city and the county seem to have a reasonable relationship in some facets In other facets it seems to be somewhat toxic you look at what went back and forth uh, for for so long with napa pipe mm. you know it's difficult to uh, to understand uh, how it got to be be so toxic but it was but they eventually got through it it just took them a lot longer than it should have when you look at transportation issues you know I've talked to people both within the city transportation department and the county transportation department, the roads crews and such, and they have very different management styles, very different approaches to the problems. And what I find amazing is that the two groups don't even talk. So forget about the board of supervisors and at the uh, the city level mm-hmm. as far as the... Uh, that goes but the actual people they don't talk they're, they're working in completely different environments and it, it's bad it's it's a problem to see that so i think that there has to be more communication between the two but we can't lose focus on the fact that you know what we have today has been brewing for a long time this this isn't just a short-term situation that we've run into where the city and the county are communicating or not communicating this is a long stated um evolution mm-hmm. and um uh, yeah, so they've got to— we've, What we've got would to you do
0: differently if you were elected to, to try
1: and begin to address that? So I think that it's about communications, and it's about a plan. I think that when you look at the problems that we have with transportation today, we're not looking at things holistically and stepping back from it and saying, how are we going to solve things? Because we get We get too caught up in this road has a pothole or we have traffic on 29, or we have traffic on Silverado Trail, and we're not stepping back and saying, who are we? And there is no consistent plan, right? The city has their plan, the county has their plan, and you look at the general plans and they don't overlap very well. And so we don't know how we're attacking things. So you've got to step back and you've got to look at things holistically from the perspective of what are we going to do? Who do we want to be when we grow up? You know, to solve traffic, it's not something you solve by just dealing with roads. You have to look for transportation options. Right, so we can't argue about uh, what we're going to do with twenty nine. We have to say how we're going to bring in buses. Are we going to bring in light rail? These are the discussions we have to have. Where are we going to build things in the future? Are we going to build in South County or North County? What are we trying to do holistically that way? And it's it's difficult to say that uh, that you solve it just by communications, but you have to have a plan to communicate within that framework.
0: But certainly all of these things that you touch on are, are not new. I mean, there's been a lot of conversation and, and even some some ventures that have uh, been out there fooling around with some ideas about transportation, rail transportation in the county. People like Chuck McMinn have been working on, on some ideas in that regard. So these these are ideas that are being looked at. Calistoga right now, uh, Chris Canning is engaged in in a really interesting transportation plan knowing that there's going to be a lot of commuters coming over from Santa Rosa when the, these new hotels come online, and and this van pooling plan that, that he's put in place, which is a kind of public-private partnership up there. So there are people working on these things. I mean, this is not something that's being totally neglected right now.
1: Yeah, but you, you hit on the key fact there. The public-private partnership in Calistoga is exactly what we need to be doing. The problem is when we let the governmental agencies try and figure out amongst themselves, it takes them forever to do anything. Again, back to Napa Pipe. I mean, these guys just go back and forth, and they don't actually come up with with real strategic plans. If you let the private industry get involved and you start supporting it and doing exactly what they're doing in Calistoga, that's the ticket. We have to look beyond government being the solution to our problems. Government's the problem itself. We have to look for how we can bring in busing systems, technology systems. Even look at uh, congestion pricing on our roads and and some sort of a toll system. Even We have to be creative on this and look to the outside, but not wait for government to do this stuff for us. Mm -hmm. That's the key. So if you look for MTC to do this, if you look for the county to do this or the city, it's never going to happen. They're going to bicker forever.
0: Well, you talk about it being holistic, which brings us to some of the issues that seem to be preoccupying uh, most of the folks in the county right now, which is issues surrounding wineries, development, growth of wineries, tourism, all of these issues, which which I
1: think a lot of people feel are at the core of
0: of this holistic approach you're talking about.
1: Yeah, I mean, so that's That stuff, when we talk about the wineries, when we talk about the environment, we talk about everything that's going on up valley is, is very important. And the issue there is that the county has created an environment of animosity between the environmentalists and the wineries that have caused this bickering that's going on in the county today. Because they haven't enforced the rules, nor have they changed the rules to meet with the reality, they've created a divide between the two groups. So now, because they've done that over the last 20 years, we're spending an enormous amount of time and a huge amount of resources and money. Dealing with these issues day by day, week by week, that's all we hear in the county, as opposed to seeing the county sit down and look at the more strategic issues that need to be addressed, such as our transportation situations, affordable housing, cost of living, jobs. These kind of things get pushed to the side because we're so busy worrying about bocce ball courts.
0: Well, and we're also worrying about, with all fairness to the county, I mean, the big focus and, you know, the the APAC focus and, and the focus of the board has been these issues surrounding, tourism and winery growth.
1: Sure, and you know and the the problem is you look at APAC and you go through this large process and at the end what the board of supervisors has done is basically accepted portions of APAC after, you know, a year of going through this. They accept the portions that say basically go and do the job that you should have been doing for 20 years. You know, enforce the regulations, change the regulations to meet the needs of the industry. So that's what they're adopting. And again, it goes back to the distraction. If they had just been doing this all along, We could be focusing on the strategic issues that we really have, which is, again, the traffic and the jobs and so forth. Do
0: you think that the rules and regulations that are in place now need to be addressed? That there are things that are are sacred, whether it be within the context of the winery definition ordinance or, or,
1: or other rules and regulations that need to be readdressed? Well, I think that the entire industry has shifted. And as the industry has shifted, the rules haven't kept up with that shift. So what we need to do is really simplify the rules, not add more rules. We need to get out of the way of it, private industry, allow them to build their businesses and grow the economy. But we have to do it in an environmentally friendly bait way so that there are issues that need to be addressed there as well. So, well, we need to simplify the rules on the one hand. We do need to make sure that we're filling in the gaps of all the lessons learned along the way from an environmental perspective and from a business perspective. But, you know, these aren't saying that we have to have rules about bocce ball courts and visitation. It's saying we need to make sure that we've got reasonable boundaries that allow the wineries to operate and build their businesses. Look, we've got the 75% rule. We've got the wines. We've got control over this. Let's use these things that are natural controllers as opposed to bickering over arbitrary stuff that just doesn't matter when we're talking about bocce ball carts and visitation. Do you think that the rules have become too complex? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, again, you know, the rules are not only too complex, but they're wrong. And they haven't been enforced. You've just got this big mess.
0: Talk about specific things that you think need to be addressed in this same context.
1: Well, you know, so you look at it. There are wineries out there that have use permits that have limitations on numbers of people that they can have as employees. Well, so they've grown since then. Do you want to take and say we need to enforce those rules and lay off those people? Is that what we want to do? No. I mean, we need to address the use permits, and we have to have them match with reality. The whole direct-to-consumer model has changed right. everything that's going on, and and these use permits were basically signed 20 years ago with a wink and a handshake, and somebody threw it in a drawer and ignored them. And the problem is the county allowed that to go on for so long with so many winks and so many handshakes and so many variations and so forth that were approved, nobody gave it any credence. As soon as you start trying to enforce them now, you either have to go back to some draconian measure that's that's going to impact our economy, or you have to let these guys be grandfathered into what they've actually built. Right.
0: And that's one of the issues that those people that have been operating, even with a wink and a nod, as you say, certainly don't want to go backwards. They don't want to suddenly be regulated more intensely and with more scrutiny than they have been for the past 20, 30 years.
1: Absolutely. I mean, th- think about it. They need to run a business. It's hard enough to run a business. Having run businesses myself and had to make payroll every week, it's a tough thing to do. I mean, some people in this county, for some reason, believe that every winery owner is some rich billionaire that has just got money to burn and, and, and they can do whatever they want. And, and they fight them like they're not human beings, that they're not business owners that are trying to make payroll and employ people and build the basic economy that we've got here. So when you have that sort of an approach, you lose sight of the reality that this is people's jobs. This is how we need to grow the county. And that's what we do. We are a wine county. So at the end of the day, we have to support the wineries. But the rules have to be simple enough that they can live and operate without government intervention. Look, the wine industry here is one of the most regulated industries in the world. You know, it's probably more regulated than rocket science. You know, so... We need to simplify. We need to make it easier for these guys to do it, and we need to still protect the environment, obviously. There are pieces to the environment that aren't being protected properly today. I think there's some areas where we need to expand the regulation, but we need to overall simplify the code to something that's easily to interpret, because obviously the county can't interpret it today. They haven't been enforcing it.
0: We've also created a situation that some would argue that is making it possible only for those with really deep pockets to be in the business today uh, the the recent situation with Walt Ranch being a classic example no matter how you feel about the project you could feel one way or another about it specifically but the fact is that something is wrong given that, that it has cost the applicant over $4 million so far
1: in this process. It's ridiculous. I mean, you look at the process you have to go through to do anything, and then you look at the arguments that come against you and how many lawyers and how many consultants you have to hire and how many engineers and all this money that goes into it. Imagine what we could do with that four million dollars. First off, the people who own the property they could do with their own four million dollars because it's their money, not ours. But they would have been better off if we had just charged them a million dollars to uh, to put in new filters for the uh, the city than to uh, to charge four million dollars for bickering back and forth. I mean, the whole process has got to be streamlined. I mean, it's it, it's just out of control, and that's why we have so much animosity. But. You look at it.
0: But, but in a way, it's like opening Pandora's box because there is so much animosity. There is so much hostility. There's an awful lot of fear. And you talk to people about this. You hear it all the time. There's a lot of fear that if you start opening up the discussion about these regulations and start getting into this, that in fact, who knows what could happen?
1: Yeah, but you know, sometimes it's important to step back and reevaluate who you are and who we want to be and look at things more strategically, even at, a, you know, talk about a regional level of approach to this is, you know, you look at the Napa Valley. Napa Valley runs all the way from the north, all the way down to Vallejo and Mare Island. You know, so there are discussions about what is the character of Napa Valley that we should be having anyways, that really do open up Pandora's box. You, there, there are arguments on the table that say we should make Mare Island part of Napa Valley put tasting rooms down there within proximity to San Francisco. And just doing that and looking to build up the base of jobs in South County, in American Canyon, down to Vallejo, those are are fundamental discussions that change the character of the county as a whole. And so opening up Pandora's box may not be such a bad thing. Now, we have to look at how we manage through that process. But in truth, look, even the environmentalists will tell you, you you look at it and say, "How how is the county today? Do you like the county? Do you like Napa? Napa's beautiful. The tourists don't seem to have a problem with it. So one argument is to say, look, why, if everybody's happy basically with what we've got today, why is that so bad? Let's step back. Let's accept that, accept who we are today, and look for how we grow into the future. But to do all of that really does ch- require changing the regulations to meet with the reality of today, and then changing the regulations again to meet with this future reality. And that's a lot of change for people. But well, it's better to do it holistically, again, stepping back and being strategic, than to nickel and dime over, this person can have a bocce ball court, and this person cut down one too many trees. Let's step back from that. But, of course, there's a lot of people that are not
0: happy with where it where things are today there's a lot of people that want to roll it back that think that it's it's gone too far when in fact the people that have businesses and wineries and and everything else just want to grow their business like anybody else would with their business
1: yeah you know i i can't get behind any method of of logic that says we're going to roll back from where we are today right you know there may be somebody out there that's got some horribly egregious business practice that they've implemented or there's something really wrong a couple case by cases we may have to look at those but generally speaking we're not rolling back from where we are we've got to roll forward i'm tired of looking back over the last 20 years and arguing about hey this person signed this use per- permit way back when and they haven't haven't lived up to it you know what i'm sorry but we all love napa valley and we've got to f- go forward. we've got to look for the next 50 years i'm interested in the napa valley that my son's going to inherit That's the Napa Valley I'm interested in. And it's going to be a Napa Valley that has jobs. It's going to have transportation. It's going to have wineries. It's going to be the best winery region in the world still, no matter what we do to it. And that's the Napa that we've got to be thinking about. I'm not worried about the 20-year-old Napa.
0: Is there a danger that if we keep doing the things that we're doing now, if we keep on the path that we're doing now, that it's going to start to turn people off? Absolutely. it will be negative for the county.
1: Absolutely. I think that, you know, we have become a victim of our own success to some extent you know it's easy to say okay we're going to have lax regulations and lax enforcement and we're going to have all these tourists coming in and that's all good and we're growing and, and when times are good it's real easy to uh to live in in that sort of an environment and the board of supervisors have allowed that to happen and, and you know give them their due right we've grown the county i mean the economy is doing much better now and it's and it continues to grow but you get to the point where you get too much you get too much traffic you get too much growth too much undefined legislation and regulation that now because it's so unclear to everybody we have this divide in the county and because of that divide we're not able to step back and say how do we take the next step forward everybody's so so gummed up on these debates over Walt Ranch and these other places, we're not focused on the future. And so we become a victim of our own success because we're so Ingrained in the discussions of our past, but these are real debates.
0: I mean, Walt Ranch and some of the other winery expansions that you know have been before the planning commission and, and the board of supervisors of late. I mean, they still have to be dealt with on a case by case basis, in, unless you're arguing for some kind of moratorium.
1: Well, what I'm arguing for is that you know there's a difficult phase that we have to go through while we are con- while we are readjusting the rules right we've got to look at that i'm not arguing for a moratorium what i am saying is we've got a bunch of projects that are in flight today they need to continue in flight under the rules that they were established today we need to enforce those rules we need to actually use the rules that are there to make that go happen but while we're doing that we and apex says this but apex is going to take way too long the way they're approaching it we have to go and readjust the rules we have to look at how that's going to go but how do we readdress the rules until we really come to a consensus on who we are so I keep going back one step further. I think that that was one of the things that was missed in APAC. APAC focused so much on visitation. It focused so much on, okay, yeah, we need to have everybody self-comply, and then we need to have them look at the use permits, and then we need to look at maybe changing the regulations somewhere years down the road. It forgot the issue of who are we. And until we can have some discussions about who we are and make sure that everybody understands that, and you're never going to get 100% of the people in place to, to agree to anything. Where do you think the confusion is about who we are? You know, I think that there are, you hear so many people who talk about the definition of agriculture, right? Does it include marketing or not, right? And, you know, there are people who argue that the definition of agriculture has been changed, in effect, without any public notice or any public hearings or any discussion of this it's like all of a sudden now agriculture means marketing and agriculture to them means farming and no matter what the realities are of that transition that's created the biggest part of the divide between the two groups and you know it's it's some groups that argue that agriculture doesn't include winemaking I mean there are those voices
0: in this valley too
1: (laughs) That's right, I think that's a little bit extreme <laughs> anyway. and, and naive for, for where we are today. But again, I think that the board has done a very poor job of communicating on both sides. They've just kind of been laissez-faire about everything across the board, and they haven't brought together the groups. Look, you look at po- po- politics in general, and I'm, I'm, I'm known to be a Republican and very conservative on, on my, my views, but you take things and you say, if you think of it as a circle, right, and left and right start diverging, eventually they come back together. Right. And what we have to do is we have to push the environmentalist side and the conservative business side back together because we all want the same things. This is one of the biggest things that I see that we need to focus on is how do we come back together as a community until we're one Napa? We're going to keep arguing. So how do we embrace the environmentalist side? Look, the winery owners that I know are all some of the biggest tree huggers that I've ever met. You know, these guys love wine. They love the wineries. They love everything that's beautiful. If we didn't have the beauty of the Napa Valley, then we wouldn't have the winery success that we have today. And they're not going to do anything to jeopardize that. You know, so why is that different than the agricultural Because
0: both sides feel very
1: threatened by the other at the moment. But I think that that's the rhetoric that's been created by the lack of leadership from the Board of Supervisors in pushing these things through clearly and communicating to everybody. I think that the Board of Supervisors turns a deaf ear to certain parties, and doesn't really listen. They pretend they listen, but they don't. And that that causes further and further rifts. So what's happened is because we've been so lax, we've gone now so long, and that rift gets deeper and deeper, and we've gotta turn that around. And it's not just saying, oh, we're gonna self-certify, and we're gonna go through a process of, of reevaluating use permits. We have to do something to heal, and come back to a common vision of where we're growing. And whether that means that we're gonna say, we're going to adopt Vallejo as, our, as part of our, our group, or that we're going to stay where we are, or we're going to have transport that reaches out to the other communities. These are the kind of issues we need to be talking about, not just, again, bickering over bocce ball courts.
0: <laughs> do you think that at this point, given the hard feelings that are out there, however it, it came to this, do you think that bringing people together in that way is possible anymore? It's got to be.
1: You know, I, I, I can't believe that it's not, you know, we all love NAPA and you start whenever you're doing change management in an organization, you know, from a business consulting background, you look at it and you say, where do we have common ground? What things can we agree on to begin with? Do we love Napa? Yes. Everybody across the board can, can, can agree to that. Do we love the wineries? Yes. Everybody loves the wineries because they're either on the agricultural side or they're in the business or they live here and take advantage. it. Right? And so how do we support those things going forward? And you start building up from the base rather than starting from the bickering.
0: Yeah. You listen to some of the comments at, uh, from the public
1: at some of these board meetings. I'm not sure everybody loves those <laughs> things
0: either. <laughs> well, again, there's
1: always going to be a fringe and you can't, you know, you can't get 100% of everybody on everything. But I think that we can have a lot more than we do today. Mm-hmm. To what
0: extent then do you think that the board needs to be involved in sh- in shaping this conversation? How would
1: you do it differently
0: if you were on the board?
1: Well, I'd love to see private industry do as much of this as possible. You know, I think that the the wineries themselves can do a lot more to, to push transportation solutions, to push for affordable housing from their own perspective, to help with the environmental concerns. I think there's a lot that they can do proactively as a group without government being involved, and that's my favorite answer to everything, is how to do these things without the government being involved. I think that the government can facilitate, and where need be put in regulations, But first off, we have to simplify the regulations that are there. You know, so, you know, there's all these discussions about would you add regulation for watershed protection? Would you add this regulation or that regulation or this tax or that tax to control behavior? And I'm like, first off, we need to simplify everything down before we do anything and add anything to the mix. So I think the government needs to back away as opposed to getting more involved.
0: As you look at that idea in the context of some of the projects that are around now that the board and the Planning Commission have been struggling with for seemingly endless amounts of time, Walt Ranch, which we mentioned, being one of them, sire across the street from here, being another, how do you see those projects moving forward?
1: Uh, You know, I I think that with all of them, you know, here's the other problem that I see with the Board of Supervisors, is they tend not to take a stand. They tend to have infinite discussions They have infinite consultants that they pay a fortune to. They send things and cryptic messages back and forth between the staff and, and the board. And they don't make very rapid progress on anything. And I think that what you have to do is ultimately take firm positions, make it clear where you stand. And you know what? There's going to be people that don't like the results. But when you go through a process where what you're trying to do is build plausible deniability into everything so that you can make your Donors happy, or not piss them off about something, then you have a have a situation where you actually can get things done because you are taking a firm leadership position. I think that stepping back and having everything be the consultants is the problem. Everything's the somebody else.
0: You think it's about donors, or do you think it's about fear of public backlash more than anything else?
1: You know, it's both. It's both. And at the end of the day, we need politicians who are not really politicians. We need leaders. We need people who are going to go in there, make a decision for the best of the community, and then stick with it and have a backbone to push it through. And if you like Sire, let's make Sire happen. If you're against Sire, fight against it. But fight it publicly. Where do you stand on it? I'm all for Sire. Mm -hmm. right? I think that there is some some stuff that we want to make sure we have the best mitigation plan possible. uh, And I'm all about the reclamation at the end of it. How do we turn this back into a, a beautiful park? that's associated back to Skyline Park at the end of the time. So, but I'm about jobs. I'm about building our economy. I want to make sure that we've got a fair place, that we've got a healthy place. I don't want my son to have health problems because of SARS, but nobody's been able to prove to me that there's any sort of health regulation or issues that come off of that. So until that happens... I'm all for it. So we need to take strong positions and we need to fight for them as supervisors, not just sit back and let all this else go around us and then sit there and some final five to zero vote on everything because we didn't take a stand.
0: Do you think that some of that has been consensus building or do you think that it's just been lack of leadership? I think the line is very fine sometimes.
1: I I think it's I think it's lack of leadership. I mean, you can't have any organization in the business world that has a unanimous vote on almost everything. You know, somebody's going to dissent on everything. And uh, you just listen to what goes on. And they always are trying for the five zero. When I'm there, there will be a lot of 4-1 votes. <laughs> I'm just saying. So I'm going to stand up for things that I believe in. And everybody's going to know. And we're not going to play this game of what does the consultant say? What does the staff say? Let's actually be very forthright about our positions. Wouldn't the goal be to...
0: Persuade others to your point of view. Well,
1: <laughs> you know what? I, I, I guess that's true. I'd love to see the five O 0 on my side. Yes, that's, that's, a, that's a good point. I was in the worst-case scenario there, but uh, yes. You know, I'm, uh, the, the bottom line is we have to be firm on what we're saying, and we have to be willing to stand for those principles and make sure everybody knows. And you know what? Not be worried about re-election. Re-election is not my main goal. My goal is to get into office, to fix the things that we can be fixed, hopefully do a great job, and have people want to re-elect me. But my goal isn't to avoid conflict and avoid backlash, because we've got to do the right things to get NAPA moving forward. And if that means I get elected or not, that's going to be based on the results, not because I avoided taking on the issues. Derek Anderson, I thank you so much for coming in and sharing with us. Great. Thank you so much. You. Appreciate
0: it. Thanks for listening to NAPA